Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review, download and share as well. Uh, always great shows. Our producer, Mark Boffo, our technical director, Lance Kennedy, always putting together great shows. Uh, yesterday, a solid one with Doris Burke. So if you missed that one, make sure you find the pod. We tweet out the links and whatnot as well. So find it. And uh, hopefully if you're subscribed, you don't even have to go searching. It just pops up in your feed. Uh, make sure, again, you uh, you share and pass along the uh, the knowledge of Smith & Jones as well. Uh, Jonesy, we're going to go back to the NBA and uh, talk a little bit more about Greg Popovich in a few minutes' time when former Raptor and longtime Spur NBA champion Matt Bonner joins us. But uh, there are a few other things going on in the world of sports that we can touch on a little bit right now. We're still awaiting word on what may, may be good news in Major League Baseball. It looked like the two sides were getting a little bit closer last night or a lot closer last night into the wee hours. And by all accounts, it sounds like things that are um, happening right now, it might just be kind of caught up in one or two final details. Uh, Perhaps, perhaps... um, the big thing being the international draft. And, and Bob Nightingale is uh, one of the best out there uh, from USA Today Sports covering Major League Baseball. He's been one of the ones that has been right on top of every single detail um, of this thing so far. He tweeted literally a minute ago as I was welcoming folks back on the air that if an agreement is reached today, the tentative plan is for opening day to be April 6th, 7th, with the regular season extended now by three days, the other games that were missed from the week-long delay would be made up as doubleheaders during the season. So we already have seen now a shift in the owners in baseball's thinking in that originally they said six games, done, boom, they're canceled. Well, now they've eased back on that. So now the players know that they're not going to be missing money for at least six games, if not more, which speaks to what we brought up yesterday thinking, hey, another week's gone by. Shouldn't another six games be canceled? They do have this plan to get the season back on its tracks and play the full 162. Which is good. <clears throat> and, and I mean, we know, Eric, we're not, we're not fooling anybody when we talk about this. Uh, it's about revenues. And if they're able to play the full 162, it's revenues. And, and uh, I would hazard to guess that they make those double headers, the old day-night double header, right, where they play one game at 1 o'clock and it, it's done by like 4 and then they clear the stadium and then they have a chance for other people to buy tickets to come to the second game. Or you, can, you know what I'm saying? One of those. So where they can still make up the money. So I, I'm not surprised. Because once people start seeing stuff removed from their bottom line, they start losing money, then it gets serious. So it's good. Uh, Bob Nightingale's terrific. I mean, we've, we've had, we've had um, you know, we, I've, I've read lots from him and just follow his kind of knowledge and, and his insights on the game. So uh, that's a pretty good source to have good news coming from. Well, and the other thing he mentioned about 45 minutes ago as well, uh, and this seems to be, I've, I've seen this from a couple of different people now as well, and I, I'm assuming Bob might have been the first, but he said that the international draft appears to be the last big remaining obstacle to reach a labor deal today. He said Major League Baseball badly seeks it and is willing to eliminate all qualifying offers for free agents in return. The union, though, still opposed to it, as it receives input from players, 
former players and agents. I don't really know why the union is against it, um, but again, that's from Bob Nightingale, that the international draft may be the last obstacle. So again, we thought we might have a deal last night. Um, perhaps the fact that they have all day to figure this out and perhaps one last obstacle to overcome, I would hope, maybe I'm naive for saying this, I would hope if you've got four, five, eight, ten, twelve hours to negotiate again, come on, you can't get this one last thing figured out and find a compromise, find some sort of solution. So fingers crossed that baseball can get it done because, uh, hey, I want the game back. It's day 98, I believe, of the lockout or close to 100 for the lockout. Get this thing done. Get the guys back on the field. Get the season back on track. I want to watch baseball this summer, period. I think I think yeah. that kind of puts a bow on it, doesn't it? Bingo. Bingo. It All does. Right. It does. All right. The other thing I want to watch, and I will be watching, um, in spite of the politics and politics of the National Football League, I know I'm going to be watching. I got six months till I'm going to be watching, but I'm going to be watching. And how about the AFC now, Jonesy? Like, Russell Wilson now in the AFC with a monster trade yesterday between the Broncos and the Seahawks. And I saw Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network um, put out a tweet that was an old uh, uh, a picture of, remember the movie Predator with Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger? And he yes. got Sh- yes. Schwarzenegger with Carl Weathers and Jesse the Body and a bunch of dudes in army fatigues. And they're all standing there with their, with their like M16s and AK-47s and just looking all ah, tough. And he's like... This is the AFC quarterback situation because the quarterbacking in the AFC is stacked. And the point that Kyle was making too, flip it over to the NFC. And, and he said, outside of what, Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford? Like maybe Dak Prescott? Who are we talking about in the NFC as far as elite stud quarterbacks? They are almost entirely in the AFC now. Yeah, um, that AFC West is is something else. With um, <clears throat> you think of Wilson, uh, Herbert. We had it on the. We were talking about it in the group chat yesterday, and uh, we, we got into it because some of you guys said, "Oh, I'd rather have Mitchell Trubisky than Derek Carr." Now I'd rather have mm-hmm. Derek Carr, um, <laughs> but uh, with 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 Carr out there, um, uh, you know, Herbert for sure, Mahomes. Now, Wilson, and then just the AFC in general. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, your guy, Josh Allen. Man, it's the AFC is tough. Like that's, Lamar Jackson. Lamar right? ja- Aaron Rodgers, just stay where you are, man. Just do not. It's, it's a good move by him when you think about, uh, you know, people st- said, oh, you know, he's going to go to Denver. Like, why would you do that? Why would you go into that, you know, into that battlefield? Although I will say this. The thing that I think is going to help Russell Wilson is Denver's defense is pretty decent, if I'm not mistaken, right? They, yep, yep, they, they had are. one of the top defenses the last year, I think top five. So, um, you know, that'll, that will help. But, and I guess my overall question would be, at some point, there's been whispers about Russell Wilson quietly wanting out. Like, why leave Seattle? Is it a legacy thing? Does he want to get to a bigger market? Like, I don't, I don't know. What, uh, why would you leave that if... They're a team that's trying to build too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a great answer for you. Um, I don't. I mean, they were seven and ten last year. They have kind of struggled a little bit over the last few years. They've gone removed from their 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 Super Bowl years. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe it's a maybe it's a fresh start somewhere else. Hey, at least he's a guy that even though he's married to a you know a, a singer, a celebrity, whatnot, it's not like chasing the glitz and the glamour of a big market or of, of L.A. or warm weather. He's going to Denver, and that's a great football market, great city to be in. But um, it's it's not like marquee, you know, in terms of the the uh, the shine or the the luster of the weather or or whatnot. So good on him, I suppose. And you know, Denver paid a hefty price. Gave up uh, a bunch of picks, gave up a young talent, uh, a couple of young talented players, but I think a, a big one in, in Noah Fant at the uh, at the tight end position. But, um, you know, I, I think that's the price to pay for, for an elite quarterback, even though he's getting a little bit older. Uh, this is a good move for Denver because we were just talking about it yesterday. I said to you when we found out that Rodgers was going back to Green Bay, all right, what's next? Because Teddy Bridgewater excuse me, is not the answer, and they very quickly – found their answer and uh and made that move for Russell Wilson and now I think it's uh eyes and, and attention and focus on all right what's Tampa doing post Tom Brady what's Pittsburgh doing post Ben Roethlisberger those are two key ones to look at and you brought up Mitch Trubisky Jonesy there is a report making its uh way around uh football circles that apparently the New York Giants are expected to make a run at Mitch Trubisky, and uh, perhaps you could connect the dots and think, hmm, who did the Giants just hire as their head coach? Hmm, and what's the connection that he has to Buffalo and Buffalo's offense? And knowing Mitch quite well from this past year, even though he didn't get on the floor or on the field a whole lot, uh, that's interesting. Saw him in practice every day. Yeah, yep. saw him in practice yep. every day. Yeah, yeah. No, Do you imagine to... though, if 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 he bumps out Daniel Jones? Like, that's another top 10 pick. And I'm not saying that it's not deserving. Jones hasn't been lighting the world on fire. But it's it's a top 10 pick coming in to replace a top 10 pick. But both of them have been kind of underwhelming, perhaps, is the best word to use thus far in their career. But maybe it's a better fit if they ultimately go with Mitch. I don't know. We'll see. Make them fight for the job. Like, internal competition. Organic improvement. Let one guy, uh, you know... Uh, let, let him fight for it, and one guy will get the job, and the other guy will work hard to improve and um, in, a, in, a, in a good way around the team, unseat him to become the starter. So I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, look, it's not like the Giants were, were blowing people away or winning games and you're tinkering with a winning formula. No, no. And people talk, well, you know, like that's bad for Daniel Jones' development. Hey, man. Forget the development. If you're the head coach, you've got to win games. You've got to put W's on the board and, and notches in the left-hand column or else you'll be, you'll be out of a job. That old saying, what does NFL stand for? Not for long, man. You're bagging groceries if you can't win. So uh, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. I got to say quickly, anytime we talk about the NFL, Jonesy, I got to find a way to mention the Buffalo Bills in some way, shape, or form. Hey, you want to throw something in on the Brownies, you go right ahead. But the rumor mill, and again, I don't pay attention to the rumor mill in the NBA, but in the NFL, I can be a fan, so I can listen to the rumor yeah. mill. There's chatter about three different guys. Now, I don't know that they could do all three or if it's going to be one or two of the three, and maybe it ends up being none. But there's chatter about the Buffalo Bills and Saquon Barkley, speaking of the Giants. Mm -hmm. There's also been chatter about the Buffalo Bills and Rob Gronkowski, Western New York, Buffalo dude, and... DK Metcalf. And if they went out and got DK Metcalf to be playing alongside Stefan Diggs, man, just give me the Super Bowl right now. Just hand it to Buffalo. It's over. It's over. Paper champion Eric Smith. 
Exactly. Hey, let's talk to a real champion then. Let's bring him into the mix right now. Friend of the show, uh, former Toronto Raptor, but longtime Spur, and yes, NBA champion as well, Matt Bonner. Matt, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you all doing? All good, Matty. Hey, Matt, um, Raptors and Spurs tonight, we'll get into the fine details of this game specifically, maybe over the course of our conversation, but I want to start with this. Lot. Lots of chatter on Pop as he has a chance to set the record tonight. Obviously, Raptor fans hope that doesn't happen, but he could move into the number one spot tonight in terms of all-time wins for a coach in the NBA. Do you remember your first interaction or first conversation with Pop? Like, I'm assuming, Matt, maybe I'm wrong. I'm assuming maybe there wasn't anything overly notable uh, when you were still a member of the Raptors. But if there was, great. But do you remember that first conversation when putting on uh, the silver and black and, and, and going to San Antonio, what Pop said to you or, or what went down? Wow, that's a great question no one has ever asked me before. I have to go way back on this one, as you know. Um, definitely on the Raptors, no interactions that I can recall, obviously. Well, not obviously, but I can't remember. I remember when I got to, Spur, got to the Spurs, getting to the uh, practice facility, in like mid-August and obviously training camp was until October and they did a very well-run organized open gym. I'm making air quotes um, for everyone in the radio that obviously can't see me. An open gym. So I'm thinking like, all right, we're going in, we're going to play some pickup, lift some weight, you know, who, who knows who will be there. It's August, probably not too many vets. And I walked in that gym and it was like, a fine oiled machine. Like everything was organized, uh, weight regimen, uh, conditioning regimen, um, organized. Like we didn't just play pickup. We like ran pickup in segments of our offense. Like, uh, you know, this, all right, we're going to work on split action for five, a five minute quarter is rest. We're going to run, um, you know, weak action, strong action, all, all this different stuff to prepare you for executing once the season started. There were not only Spurs vets there, but there were vets from other teams would come in and get special permission to come in and participate in this because they had a reputation as really getting guys better, getting guys ready for their upcoming season. I was just blown away by that, um, that, you know, Coach Pop had that infrastructure organized and didn't say much to me, you know, you know, obviously welcomed me to San Antonio and stuff. It and was a more hands-off approach during open gym. But I just remember like once the season started, it was like, oh, okay, this, 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 this is what this is about. I remember like, you know, every training camp I'd been on, whether it was with the Raptors or even before with the University of Florida, Go Gators, by the way, was like super intense. Two a days, like just completely annihilate your body. Like, you know, what you think of when you think of training camp. And Coach Pop's approach, especially for the first few days of training camp, was not like that. He, he kind of zagged in that regard. And it was all, a lot of mental and fundamentals kind of remind me of like that first practice in, uh, in Hoosiers, you know, like, like, all right, dribble up, jump stop, 
pivot around the chair, pass it to your teammate, <laughs> cut. Uh, all right, catch the ball, dribble without traveling, called the no travel drill, the verticality drill, like all these like super basic fundamentals. And that's where he started and then built up from there, uh, you know, only one practice the first day, only one practice, and then a lighter shooting practice the second day. Like, it was just – I know, like, pretty much every team does that now, but back then, you guys got to understand, it wasn't like that. Like, you got destroyed in training camp. And uh, so that was kind of refreshing. And then I remember we went over to Europe for some, like, Europe Live games, and so this was, like, my first preseason game playing for Coach Pop. And, and – the first thing he, he scolded, not scolded me, but like, you know, corrected me on was to calm down because I was so excited to like be out there. I don't even remember who we were playing, like some French team or something. And uh, I was bouncing around the huddle and he was like trying to drop a play. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And he's like, like, Manny, calm down. Be still. It's going to be okay. <laughs> that, that was like the first thing he said to me. So, uh, but yeah, obviously you know, well-deserved milestone for Coach Pop. He doesn't care about it. He's, like, the most humble, doesn't want any attention. He tied the record last game and didn't even bring it up in the in the post, post-game post con- news conference in, under his comments, and all the reporters were too chicken to ask him about it because they knew he didn't want to talk about it. So it wasn't even mentioned that he tied the record. I'm assuming, you know, whether it's tonight or whenever it is that he breaks the record, Obviously, it's a little bit bigger of a deal, and he's going to have no choice but to address it. But it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts because he hates that kind of attention. He cares about winning. He cares about his players, developing them on and off the court, and creating that that Spurs culture. So, how Matt? How does um, how does that fly with the young guys? Because this is not. Uh, this is not a veteran team, and although he do he does have a few guys that are, you know, a guy like Dejounte Murray in particular, who's been around Pop for five years and four or five years, and understands a little bit about you know Spurs culture and 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 what Pop's trying to do. When you look at some of the young guys, especially a kid like a young Canadian like Josh Primo, who's who's I mean he's one of the youngest players in the NBA. How are these guys reacting the to Pop? Yeah, well. How are these guys um, reacting to Pop? Uh, definitely with respect, reverence. He's earned that. Um, and you can see it in the Spurs play. I know the record doesn't reflect it, and I doubt you've gotten a chance to watch them a lot this year. But it's just – and you'll see it tonight. I know they had a bad game when they came to Toronto, but 90% of the time they're just so much fun to watch because they play so hard. They play together. They average like 30 assists a game. They move it. They share it. Everybody's unselfish. Everybody buys in. They've lost. I don't know what the stat is, but they have like the most, uh, or the however you want to look at it, the worst clutch performance in the league. They've lost like 20 games by like five points or less or something. You look, like look at their point differential. They should be in like six or seven places less, but they just lose all these close games. I think a lot of that's because. There's so many new guys and, and so much, so many young guys. Um, but when you look at Coach Pop, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he came in, you had David Robinson, and then they got lucky with the ping pong ball, got Tim Duncan, uh, then, they, you know, Kawhi, and then as soon as Kawhi left, you know, what had they done? I think 
despite that, he's still gotten the most out of his teams. And anyone who's watched the Spurs team this year can't dispute that. Um, it's just he's gotten the most out of, out of this group. It, it's been fun covering the team all year despite the losses. And I, I'm proud of their performance and still rooting them on as a, as a former player. Speaking with Matt Bonner, Raptors and Spurs going at it tonight in San Antonio. Matt, we were we were chatting last hour with uh, Alvin Williams, and uh, one of the things that he was mentioning, uh, you know, and he, he talked quite glowingly about the respect he has for Pop as a as a coach as well. Um, he didn't like how Pop handled the media over the years with those, you know, end of quarter halftime interviews and all that, and how it became a, a, a little bit of a, a popism just to, to see how rough or gruff he could ultimately be with reporters and broadcasters and whatnot. But putting all that aside, or maybe maybe it ties into my question. Some people that see that, that's where they form their opinion of Greg Popovich because they don't know him on a personal level like you do, like so many other players do. They see the X's and O's. They see what he is as a coach in terms of his success and championships and everything else. But they don't know the man, the personality, beyond perhaps what they see in interviews. And he can be a pretty rough, gruff dude in those interviews, and he can come off as kind of a jerk and standoffish. But everything I've heard from you over the years, and including, we just referenced Primo, he I remember him saying a couple of months ago here in Toronto, one of the things that stood out to him about Pop was how he truly cares about the players. And he said, from the jump, this guy was asking me about my family, about my friends, about how I was doing, if I needed anything. Conversations about TV or movies or food or wine or whatever. Like, it was more about me as a person and my life and not just how do you feel, are you good to go, get at practice, do this, do that. It was he cared about him as an individual. And, and Matt, most fans and a heck a whole lot of media broadcasters don't see that as well, but clearly you've had a ton of those moments over the years. Absolutely. And we've talked about it on your show before. Coach Pop is a huge, big picture perspective guy in the, in that regard where, yes, he's a, he's a competitor. He wants to win a championship every year. Uh, he's going to do what he has to do to get the most out of his players, whether that's being rough and gruff with them or encouraging them, but always keeping the perspective like, at the end of the day, this is this is a, a game. This is basketball. There's way more important things in life and in the world that, that are going on every day, every minute. And valuing everything about that, valuing relationships with players, caring about players. I mean, you, anyone who's played on any team who's had a good coach can probably say, like, I, if that, if I know that coach really cares about me, I'll, I'll run through a brick wall for that coach. And that's that's the kind of relationship Coach Pop fosters with his players. He, he's there for you on and off the court. He teaches you about everything uh, to improve you as a person on and off the court. Um, you know, we've seen him with the social justice issues and everything. He he wants to uh, he wants to educate players on all that, not just basketball. And that playing for him and that experience is a big part of it. And obviously I think that helps contribute to his, just his success as a coach and the team's chemistry as well. How long does he hang in, Matt? 
how long does Pop keep coaching? Um, <clears throat> people have talked about, uh, you know, kind of grooming and, and moving things forward. People like Becky Hammond and all of the all of the people around the organization. How long does Pop keep coaching in your? What, what do you? What do you, what's your best guess? Uh, honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, he, he's what is he seventy three? I think, and you watch him out there, and he looks great. I mean, he still has energy. He looks good. Yeah, obviously, he's the team's responding. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, he takes good care of himself. Obviously, it's completely up to him. He's, he he'll probably coach as long as he wants to, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that will be. And Becky, I, Becky Hammond. Uh, recently took the job as the Las Vegas Aces WNBA coach, head coach for next season. So uh, she'll definitely be sorely missed around the program. Speaking with Matt Bonner, Raptors and Spurs tonight, 8.30 Eastern, the tip-off in San Antonio. Matt, um, I'm not even sure how to ask this question because clearly, you know, I think you know about us. We're not about, you know, putting the uh, wave in the white flag or tanking or any of that type of stuff at, at all. Jonesy and I have often said, and, and I, I don't know if you agree, playoff experience, even if you get in and get swept, getting that taste, getting that chance um, to see what the second season is like is never a bad thing. If you're San Antonio right now, you're only two games out of that play-in. You're only two back of the Pelicans. So you certainly have a chance to be there. What's the fan base saying? Like, do they want that taste of even a play-in game or two, let alone maybe advancing and getting into one of those playoff spots and having a chance? Or is it more about, well, the future and perhaps we could, you know, we could, we could get a higher pick? And, like, how are folks reading this in terms of whether they want the team to be competitive and still gunning for this or keeping a bigger eye on the future? Uh, the way I look at it is it's a win-win. And the analogy I like to use is the NCAA tournament. I went to the University of Florida, uh, as previously mentioned, and every year when I'm filling out my NCAA tournament bracket, I always, you know, unless they they have like a one or two seed, let's be honest, it would be foolish to pick the Florida Gators if they're like a seven seed to go to the Final Four. Um, So inevitably, you know, say it's the Sweet 16, I'll be like, you know what? I honestly don't think the Gators are going to advance past this round. So I'm going to pick, um, you know, whoever. I'm going to pick Villanova. And when it comes to that game, I'm in a win-win situation, right? If the Gators win, yeah, go Gators, alma mater. All right, we're moving on. If they lose, ah, you know, my team lost. But, hey, I picked Villanova, so I have a better chance of winning this bracket. It's a win-win. That's kind of how I look at this situation with the Spurs. And, and don't get – they're going to keep battling. This team, I talked about it earlier, that's their identity. They never quit. They're going to keep playing hard every night and try to do everything they can to get into that playing tournament. And if they do, awesome. Go Spurs, go. Uh, what, a, what a great story. They, they battled down the stretch and got in. But if they don't, ah, oh, well, well, at least we're going to get a lottery pick and be able to build something better for the future. So same thing. It's kind of like a win-win. Matt, we always appreciate the time, man. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hope the family's doing well and look forward to uh, talking again soon and hopefully seeing you in person one of these days. All the best.
Likewise, and we, we need the Raps to get in the playoffs because, you know, from the trade, it helps the Spurs draft pick. So, <laughs> go Raps. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Matty. There is Matt Bonner, former Toronto Raptor and uh, longtime San Antonio Spur NBA champion. Raptors and Spurs at 8.30 Eastern tonight. Um, listen, Jones, as I just said to Matt, as important as it is for San Antonio, you know, only two back of that, uh, that play in that final spot. The Raptors are only two up on Brooklyn and only three up on the Hornets and the Hawks. This is a big one tonight. Like, I, I still think, and, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, I still think there's a chance to, to it's not fair to say salvage this road trip. The road trip just started. You're only one game in. But you lose and things continue to kind of unravel, and then you go, oh, boy, Phoenix and Denver coming. Get that win. Give yourself a little bit of momentum, a little positivity going into that game on Friday. Is Booker playing by then or not? Uh, it's going to be a tough back-to-back against Denver, but I still think you've got an opportunity to at least split this road trip. But this is a key one tonight. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, you're never supposed to win, especially on the road. But uh, San Antonio is a team that's still, as as Matt says, they're they're young and they're they're still trying to find themselves. They've lost a lot of close ones. If you're Toronto, you can go in there and you can get a close one, get one and kind of even your record on the road because the next two are going to be really tough. Phoenix and Denver, really tough. And, you know, that's not saying that you can't go into L.A. and and especially the way the Lakers are going of late, although you never know. It's a week from now. It could get turned around. The Lakers and Clippers, like those are those are potential gettable games. But uh, you, you got to knock off what you can. And you look at San Antonio, and this is a – a valid opportunity to win a game and 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 kind of right the ship a little bit. All right, we're going to continue our conversation on the NBA, but not just the Raptors and Spurs. We're going to look at a whole bunch of things around the association and, hey, maybe dip our toe a little bit into the NCAA as well as we are uh, getting set for March Madness in uh, about another week's time. Uh, another man with a link to the Raptors, former Raptors assistant coach P.J. Carlissimo will join us next on Smith & Jones. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors and Spurs tonight at 8.30 Eastern. Thanks again to Matt Bonner for joining us, and uh, we can talk a little bit about that game, but a whole lot of other things going around the association as well as we bring into the conversation former NBA head coach, uh, longtime NBA head coach and assistant as well, and former Raptors assistant analyst with ESPN, uh, ESPN Radio, NCAA analyst as well for Westwood One. Uh, Always happy to chat with PJ Carlismo. PJ, thanks for the time today. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I didn't know I could have been on with the Red Rocket. Damn. No, 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 no. Yeah, only, only. We we limit that. It's like it's like the kids sitting in the wrong place. It's like the kids sitting in the wrong place in the class, man. That's trouble if you're if you guys are on together. So I still have my transit pass. I could, I should be able to go on with him too. That's great. How are you guys doing? All good, PJ. All good, Coach. Uh, great to hear your voice and. Uh, we, we were talking to Maddie about about Coach Pop and the Raptors in there tonight, and I mean yeah. you spent a lot of a lot of time sitting on the bench beside him. Um, you know he's going for a record tonight, but as Matt said, it, it 
it's it it it's almost meaningless to him because he's in it for stuff that's bigger than that. You know, it's fine. I talked to him last week, Jonesy, and, and you know, it, it's just uh, he's he's a different cowboy. There's no question about that. He never wants anything to be about him. Um, you know, I, we talked we really talked about 18 other things, and then you know, I, I mentioned I said like, are you are you close to some? Everybody's talking about something. Are you close to some kind of record or something like that? And, you know, he started laughing. And he said, yeah, no, he said, I'm great. He said, it's unbelievable. He said, what I've done, it's just fantastic. Um, <laughs> he, he really doesn't care. He genuinely doesn't. This is going to make him really uncomfortable. I'm sure from your guy's standpoint, you hope it doesn't happen tonight. But, I mean, I, I would think I'm safe in saying it's inevitable. It's going to happen this year at some point. Um, he's there. The team, he likes the team. Uh, he's really, he really enjoys this team. They've obviously made a lot of moves. Um, they're, they're very young, but he likes them. He's, uh, DeJounte has been, his growth has been incredible. What, what's happened with DeJounte Murray since he's been here. And Pop still really enjoys coaching. So everybody always say, well, if he gets the record, is this going to be the end of it? I, you know, I used to say he was going to walk the day Timmy walked. When Tim Duncan walked out the locker room the last time, that would be it. Or I said he'd coach till 90. Well, Timmy's walked out of the locker room. I don't know if he'll coach till 90, but um, not, nothing surprises me with Pop. Uh, I, I will say this. I know absolutely, factually, he's still really enjoying it, and he really likes this team. So who knows how long it's going to go. It, it's just it's an incredible achievement. You know, we've kind of talked about it. It's been out there for a while. So everybody kind of just nods their head and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers and you look at what he's accomplished since he's been in San Antonio, um, it, it's it's mind-boggling. But um, we take him for granted. They take him for granted there. And, and he likes it that way, frankly. And he's going to be, when he gets this next win, he is going to be even more uncomfortable with interviews, if that's possible. Uh, he'll be even more uncomfortable talking about it. Okay, PJ, I'm going to tell the audience right now to, to get a pen and a paper. I'm going to ramble for a second here and ask you a really long-winded question to give folks a chance to, to go get a pen and paper or to get their phones out and get their typing fingers ready because I want to ask you a question here that has nothing to do with basketball X's and O's wise. Our producer, Mark Boffo, who, who set this interview up, whatever, he said to me yesterday, yep. he said, isn't there like a restaurant or something that you said to me once that PJ Carlissimo recommended? And, and I said, yeah, there's a restaurant in San Fran, and I'll let you shout it out. But, I mean, the dinners you've had, I mean, with multiple people, with, with us, with broadcasters, let alone with, with fellow coaches and players, and especially with Pop, the dinners, the restaurants, the wine pairings, PJ, like – could you give us a couple? I, I mean, we're giving them the free advertising, but some places around the league. Folks are traveling again now. You know, COVID hopefully starting to settle a bit. They want some PJ Carlissimo wine and more so restaurant recommendations. Like, what are some of the spots where you've, you know, toasted and, and, and enjoyed a meal with, with, with Pop and others over the years and had some of those great conversations? Well, the the, the... one of the many big differences between Pop and I, uh, wins being... Uh, one of the biggest ones, not the biggest one, but one of the biggest. Um, wine is is one. Um, as much as Pop knows about basketball, and obviously, you know, uh, I, anyone would have no trouble defending his basketball knowledge, what he's accomplished. And um, I think he, I, I don't know what the number is. He knows two, maybe three times more about wine than he does about basketball, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, he is. He loves it. 
He enjoys it. He studied it, and he never ceases to amaze me. Like he'll go into a restaurant and ask for, it, and I'm making making it up. I I truly have no idea. He'll ask for like a 19, you know, 96 French Bordeaux or something like that, and the sommelier will come back and go, "We don't have the 96, but we've got uh, 97. It's almost as good a year." And Pop will go, "No, it wasn't. There was a blight in France that summer." That's one of the worst vintages they've ever had. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, and, and that's normal. And I, also, somebody will come back and go, we don't have that, but we have a 99. Uh, it's it's a little younger, but he goes, you, you know, he says, let's try it. And he'll try it. He'll, you know, he'll tell the guy, that was great. And, and the guys tip just, or, or ladies, tip just uh, increased exponentially. Uh, I mean, it, it literally is amazing. His collection is beyond belief. He built a beautiful um, wine house, I'd call it. Uh, I don't know what he's done because he's moved downtown now um, in San Antonio to be near his, his daughter and his grandkids. Um, so uh, he had the stones brought over from, like, Spain, and the, the table that was in the middle of it was cut from a tree in Italy. And the, I mean... It's unbelievable um, how much he enjoys wine and how much he knows about it. Now, having said that, that means that um, I, I, that was part of my job description. When we sat down, I should remember the year. And, well, I, no, I, I will be able to remember. I was doing the world championships. Uh, it was 02, the summer of 02. He, they were practicing. He was coaching um, with Rick Majerus and a couple other guys, the U.S. team. Um, and they were going to uh, – they were getting ready to play China. He was George Carl's assistant, excuse me. George was coaching the U.S. national team, getting ready for the world championships, which were in Indianapolis that summer. And they were in San Francisco uh, playing China, uh, an exhibition game, you know, raise money and, and uh, drum up interest. And Yao was playing for China. They sold out, uh, uh, you know, they had a huge crowd over at, uh, at uh the arena. And when we interviewed, he said, one of the things I had to do, I mean, it was mainly sit next to me as if you're coaching a team. And if you see something, tell me, and I don't want any BS. Like I want you to tell me like, why are we doing this? Or why are we playing this guy? You know, he wanted feedback. That was all he wanted. And he said, and you got to be ready to go out to dinner. Um, whenever we go out to dinner, I said, I can do that. Um, and, that, that's what we did. So um, those dinners were legendary. Usually if we're on the road, we'll be going to Soto Soto the night before the game or somewhere, uh, Ria, John Carl, I don't know where, somewhere great. Um, and But he likes to go different places. Now, Toronto, he's good. He'll, he'll go back to Soto more than most. But he loves trying new places. I love going to the same place. If I got a place I like, I will go there every time and be happy. Um, he likes to experiment and try new places. So that was always a debate, and I always lost that debate. Like, we'd be going in there somewhere, San Francisco, and I'd say, let's go back to Seven Hills or let's go to Potsy. And he'd go, no, we did that last year. Let's try. And he'd come up with a brand new one, um, some new place, Gary Danko, or let's go some new place. Um, and it was it was fantastic. And it wasn't like we we were there with our notebooks and doing a lot of X and O, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of conversation. Um, sometimes about basketball. Usually it would be about world politics or Russian literature or who knows what. Um, and they were, th- those meals were fantastic. Usually it was the three or four coaches who sat up front and then that sixth space could, could be, a, you know, 
our PR guy, Tom, uh, Tom James, or it could be somebody totally different or somebody from town or a friend of his, whatever, from the Air Force Academy. Uh, they were fantastic. But it was always a great restaurant. The wine was always over the top. Uh, and you would get your hand broke if you even went near the bill or tried to put a credit card or a penny on the table um, to, uh, you know, to participate. And it, was, wasn't, it wasn't a San Antonio credit card. It was a Greg Popovich credit card. Uh, and and that was those were the ground rules. And uh, for five years, I, I lived by those ground rules. I had no problem living by them. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> PJ, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think of, uh, and you'll have the name, and I'll I'll describe it. But yeah. once you tell once you tell me that, uh, how do you like if I ever get like the tap on the shoulder, the call from the bullpen for the left hander to be in one of those dinners, and the talk goes to something very scholarly and learned which you know i just sit there and keep my mouth shut how do you how do you hang in those conversations about I, russian just literature like, and... just like you said i sat there and kept my mouth shut uh, <laughs> no question sometimes the conversation was was dominated by him he really didn't like to do that honestly but uh i mean it, it would be just as apt to be right now obviously we'd be talking about the ukraine i mean that would be it and not only would we be talking about that at dinner he would be talking about that with the players as, as it was about to happen. And while it was happening, he'd like, you know, we'll we'll be in the film room. The meeting room is right off the practice court in San Antonio, as it is in most places. Well, it wasn't in the old days. And when it was the ACC and we used to practice in the building, I'm sure it is now. I'm sure Nick's got it that way. uh, And and Masai right now in in the new practice facility. But if we started in there, it could very well be five minutes of film, from last night's game or somebody we were, you know, getting ready to play, or it could just as right now, it would be from CNN or whomever, uh, you know, covered what happened last night. He'd go, do you guys see what happened last night? What do you think about that? And it didn't matter if it was like a 19 year old who maybe wasn't ready for the NBA and certainly wasn't ready for this political question, but he was asked and he better know what was going on. Like, what do you think? And uh, who, who is the president? You know, who's the president of that company well, or country? What's Putin doing? What, what's going on? What are the other um, uh, countries in Europe doing? How are they trying to support him? And there would be a conversation. Uh, and, and you better be ready to part. Those were non-negotiable. You better be ready to participate. And any of the, what's well, up to 17 now, 15 or 17 guys that were on the roster um, would, be, would be asked and would be encouraged to talk or made to talk. So it was That's like, like being in class, P.J., uh, that's yeah, like, it's very that's much like being... Like, being, like being in class. But uh, this is, you know, you, you've been in enough classes over your uh, life. You've got some teachers that, you know, maybe don't know this subject very well. This is the other extreme. <laughs> this is, you're in with somebody, this is a PhD class, and you know you're not ready for it. You're ready for English 101. Um, and he's, he's going to know, honestly, politically, and what goes on in the world right now. If I had a Spurs game, I would do that for sure. I, I would, you know, I, w- I would want to be there in the morning when he was talking to the players, or after practice, or uh, you know, when they, when they're on the road. And again, it, it's he's different. Um, he, he does things differently, uh, and he and he holds the players to a to a standard. He doesn't want them to be just basketball players, and he doesn't want to be just a basketball coach. Uh, there, there's more to him than that, and he wants his players to be more than that. And you know, again, not that's not for everybody. But 
um, they're going to they're going to be called on, and they're going to know a little bit more about what's going in, uh, on in the world politically than, than they might at, at most other teams. PJ, what's the name of the joint in San Francisco? Uh, you go in, and we sat in a table up in the corner. It's a little. Uh, no, I remember it. I remember. What's it. the name of it? E. What's the name? Tomasos. You know which? I'm not sure which one you're talking no, about. No, no, no. Tomasos. Not, not Seven Hills. Tomasos. No, me, Eric. Tomasos. Oh, Tomasos. The best. Oh yeah. yeah. Tomasos was like three blocks from my house. Uh, well, you guys used to hang in that neighborhood all the time, and then you you drift into Tomasos sometimes. <laughs> uh, now, it, Tomasos has, the, in my opinion, the best pizza and the best lasagna uh, in San Francisco, and it's been there like a hundred years. Uh, it's been passed down from uh, you know one to the other. Carmen is 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 still there. One of the one of the daughters uh, is still there. The people are unbelievable. That place has been there forever. You're right, uh, right, right. Not far, Kearney and Broadway. Uh, yeah. Just just really the beginning of of North Beach. Um, great memory, boys. You that that's that's a place you can go to every night and reasonable too, especially for San Francisco. Well, it's trust me. You're talking to broadcasters. We, we're all about reasonable. We we can't hang in the, in the places that you're going. We don't have Pop's credit card going down, PJ. So you know say, that's Pop. That's Pop. I'm, that was part of my job. So that was you know really I, I it was difficult, but I had to be there. So uh, listen, PJ. I, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna kind of produce on the air here. We're, our, our show ends, the commercial break's coming in about two minutes, so I don't think we've got enough time yeah. to dig into anything. And I, I didn't think we'd spend the entire time talking about pop, but I'm glad we did because they were great stories, great conversation, but it means I'm putting you on the spot here. We've got to have you back in, I don't know, a week or two or few, a few sure. to actually get into some stuff around the NBA as well and get into some other stuff. And the NCAA. And the NCAA. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's going to be informative for me. I just did the last two weeks, I had Utah, Phoenix, and... Phoenix, Milwaukee. I've Phoenix twice, uh, coincidentally, the last two Sundays. But I'm now in my NCAA. For the next three weeks plus, I've got nothing but college. So, obviously, I'll be following the NBA. But I've got the Pac-12 tournament, uh, which starts today in, in Vegas. And then I've got I'm in San Diego the first week of the NCAA. Uh, in San Antonio, ironically, the second week. And then uh, in New Orleans for the Final Four. And then I pick up right after the Final Four. I've got a game Wednesday in New York. Uh, Brooklyn at the, the Knicks. So I'm, I'm in my NCAA mode for the next three weeks plus. So I'll be happy to talk about that. And also I'll be following NBA. You guys can keep me informed of what's going on uh, in, in the association. PJ, right, we'll, we'll never forget. We'll bugging you. <laughs> yeah, we'll never forget the day that you walked into the gym in Toronto, two days after almost winning the national championship. And I tell the story about watching that game in a bar, sitting beside a guy that had bet a hundred bucks on the hall at three hundred to one at the beginning of the year, and the guy oh, didn't boy. hedge the bet. The guy didn't hedge the bet. Well, I tell you, it was uh, we didn't get him. Where'd he go? Uh, Connecticut. <laughs> we lost yeah. the player. Yeah, um, he went to Connecticut. We, and ended up transferring to Utah. Phil Dixon. Utah. Yep. I was going to say Utah, Connecticut. It was Connecticut, Utah, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, but he, yeah, he, it was uh, Phil. What was his name? I'm drawing Phil Dixon. His name, Jonesy. Phil Dixon. Phil Dixon. Yeah, yeah yep. Doctor Dix. Yep. One of the one of the greatest yep. high school players in the history of Toronto basketball. Right there oh, with Leo Routon. He could really play. He played, no question. And I did my usual stellar recruiting job. We didn't get him, so it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
PJ, we've got to fly. Thanks for joining Thanks, us coach. today. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, right, Coach. Eric. Jonesy, good talking to you. Good talking to the good Jones. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there is PJ Carlismo, a longtime NBA head coach and a longtime assistant as well, former Raptors assistant, now broadcaster with ESPN, ESPN Radio, and Westwood One as well. Um, hopefully you jotted down some of those names. He shouted out a few joints, uh, mostly in San Francisco, but still good to have a few, uh, a few on the list. And, of course, a little shout-out to Soto Soto in Toronto. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. If you missed conversations today with Alvin Williams, Matt Bonner, PJ Carlismo, lots to uh, listen back in on and to share as well. We will be back on Thursday with another edition of Smith & Jones. Have a good one.